Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrath, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Sarah Nonu, Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing mob mentality. And due to the lockdown, unusually, we're recording this remotely. Nick, you strike me as the per- sort of person who could be found in the midst of a mob, um, yeah. rioting about. Um, yeah, mob, mob mentality, what's it all about? Why do we want to talk about it? Well, you've seen the loo rolls. <clears throat> We've done the loo well, rolls, haven't we? I mean, we, everyone's, everyone's, we, we had the, that was the loo roll fra- phase of the COVID-19 right. pandemic was a few weeks ago, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. But um, the, then the following on from that, we, we've, we've been in the middle of the, we're now in the flour and yeast phase. Yeah. And yeah. I and and now I I thought it would be good. You know, we did that podcast about stocking up and, uh, and yeah. prepping like yeah. uh, we did that, you know, very prescient. It was like last year sometime. Mm. Um, well, I took it to heart and we did. We were we were actually been I mean, for for Brexit disruption had had stocked up quite a lot. And um and then, uh, and then so there wasn't that much topping up that that needed to happen when the when the pandemic started. But I thought, well, what a great idea, right? If we if we're not going out much, perfect time to you know bake some bread, get get the old baking up and running. Might even start one of these sourdough starters, yeah. which I've you know read about but never thought about doing. So mm. so I did all that, congratulating myself on my initiative, only yeah. to discover that everyone else in the world has been doing the same. Like everyone has has started baking bread and buying yeast. Um, mm. Now, luckily, the shop at the bottom of the road sells massive bags of, of flour and no one seems to know about it. So I've been getting it from there. Um, and uh, but, you know, I, I did look on because I couldn't find any yeast, uh, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago and it, not in any shop. And um, it wasn't even available online. So, you know, there'd been a massive run on on yeast as well. But, you know, so dis- it's disappointing to discover that you're uh, just, you know, like exactly the same as everyone else um when you think that you're being kind of independent minded and you've got a good idea that you've come up with to discover that everyone else has come up with the same idea similar things happen don't they with like babies names we've done we've done a podcast about babies names in the past yeah. you know, where everyone thinks that they, they their baby name is like very unique that they've come up with themselves and um you know is is perfect for their baby but of course you know the, the it actually turns out that everyone's called their kids unique or or trevor you know all at the same time um and so you know the question is why what's going on that's 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 the question i guess i mean you can say why what's going on but also we'd want to how do we get ahead of the game might be a good one how do i not yeah part of a mob um how do we start trading in flower futures at the right time i'm even worse than you nick because you're sort of already ahead of this thinking yeah i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna start baking bread I'm sort of the next phase or two along where I start reading pieces in The Guardian or on BBC about flour selling out and and and, and yeast and so on. And I think, oh, I think I should start baking bread. You know, that, that, and, and then I and then and then I go out and go, oh, no, there's no flour or oh, there's no yeast. So I'm sort of way sort of behind you. Well, actually, that's the, when we talk about the anatomy of mob mentality. I think we'll get on to that. We'll get on right. to that. OK, so who wants to pick this up? Where do we go from here? Um, mob mentality. Have we, I mean, do we do we need to define it? We've talked about finding yourself in a predicament. You think you're way out in front, but actually you think you're an innovator, but you're just part of the herd. Um, Peter? Uh, I always feel 
hugely unqualified uh, to talk about the psychology of things, but there's a lot of very interesting psychology going on, and there's lots of very interesting pieces coming out explaining the the uh, psychology to do with uh, how how people behave when they're under a bit of stress and how it changes their behavior. I think it worth we've mentioned it before, but it's worth mentioning again. It's an excellent uh, blog series um, on uh, weight, but why? Uh, and uh, he, he beautifully ex- it describes an analogy of these two two little creatures that live inside your mind that are constantly competing for uh, sort of your, to, to control your actions. One is a sort of primitive uh, mind that re- is really concerned with reproduction and eating, and then the higher mind, which is something that humans have evolved, which allows us to reason and to empathize. So I, I, re- I recommend read, listeners to, to have a read of that because that's a really nice little model that explains how your behaviors are driven um, when it comes to different stimuli. Things that threaten you stimulate your primitive mind, make you want to survive. Uh, but things that, uh, and that, that sort of swamps the, the higher mind and stops it from working. Hmm. But look, this, the more we talk about this, and I know we're trying to avoid the term, but I'm going to use the term herd mentality because we, we, we talk about that in, in when we talk about financial markets because it's about doing the right you know, the right thing at the right time. So what we should do, um, say, three months from now, when hopefully all this sort of COVID-19, the, the global pandemic is over or, or winding down quite significantly, we should all go out. Well, no, no, I should go out and, and buy some yeast and buy some and buy some flour. A well, bit like got an unlimited shelf life, as I discovered. That's right. I'll, I'll put a, a note in my calendar reminding me once every three months, something yeah, like that. Top up the and so, so I've always got some yeast on me. So the key is to stockpile a bit like Nick was doing um, with with flour when no when when no one would dream of stockpiling. Right. And it's a bit like with financial markets. Obviously, you've got to, if we're talking about shares, you've got to buy those at the right time. Right. Um, so what's my point? That's that. That's think, it. That's all we need got, to do. I think you've got a good point, Fraser. And referring back to the um, psychological resilience podcast we did, I think the there is there there's utility in just thinking about being prepared. Um, so I've been reading a few articles that said, well, you know, maybe we should, as a nation, be a bit more cognizant that these sorts of things do occur now and again. You know, we had Brexit, people panic panic bought for that. We had we had COVID nineteen, panic bought for that. And previous sort of crises in the last over the last ten years, people are always panic buying. Why, for oh. God's sake, don't they just have a few tins of the essentials in their cupboards? You're panic buying will, in advance. They'll yeah. make yeah, they'll they'll make no, not huge amounts, but just some, just like a, a, a couple of weeks worth of tin tomatoes and beans and things like that. It'll make yeah. them feel more prepared and less likely to then panic. Yeah, Sarah. I was just going to say, I already have that already. Like, is that just not a stock standard thing people do is make sure that they have enough food so you don't have to go to the supermarket so often? Yeah, tin of peaches. Everyone, oh, yeah, I, everyone I've got some of them. Of I, think yeah. it's a, I think it's a standard thing that's, that sort of sensible people do. People yeah. have, you know, uh, but, I think, but I think a lot of people just aren't sensible. Yeah. I guess seems. the other oh. thing is like not to go crazy, right? Because often like I go to a supermarket and I see there's stuff on sale like two for this price, four for this price. And I think, man, that's a really good idea. I should buy that. And then I have a stockpile of stuff that I actually don't ever use. And I still haven't even used during COVID-19. The day will come, the day will come Sarah. The day will come when Hopefully. you've had your last dinner of corned beef when you'll reach for those the chickpeas in, in harissa yeah. sauce. I have them so many chickpeas. I kid you not. I don't know what I'm going to do with them all. 
we need to have a chickpea off between <laughs> Peter and Sarah because <laughs> Peter is not light in that area, let me tell you. Um, well, look, okay, end of, end well, of podcast, I, I, right? How do you know? Avoid... Well, wait a minute. Let's introduce some much needed clarity about some ideas here. So I think there's two, I think there's two distinct things that we could be talking about. One mm. is um, sort of genuine herd mentality when people are doing things because other people are doing them. That's that sort of type A. I think the other, the small mistake, which we can cover, and, and it's it's interesting, there's lots of evidence about it. But the interesting thing for me is this sort of type B herd mentality. When everyone si simultaneously and independently decides to do the same thing, even it, and, and that that thing is a surprisingly specific thing. And that's the situation with the bread. Now, not you reading about it in The Guardian and going out, but me and lots of other people have independently decided that bread now is the time for bread. Now, let's just talk about type A herd mentality, because this is something that I'd looked at a few years ago, actually, in um, uh, when when there was a spate of mass panic incidents. Do you remember the 2016 mass panic incidents? No, no one remembers. No. But there was a thing um, at several uh, uh, events occurred in the US in airports and things where uh, where people heard or some people sort of thought there was a terrorist attack going on. And mm. this caused a stampede and a mass panic. And that happened a handful of times somewhere in mm. the US. Um, and and when I looked at sort of what the anatomy of one of these incidents was, um, the there's there's I, I, what I called uh, the sort of nucleation and the crystallization phase. So you have the nucleation phase right. where people's behavior is caused by external stimuli, right, where people are actually deciding based on some evidence whether or not they should act in a certain way. Then you have the crystallization phase where... Um, it's no where other people are doing stuff because the first people are doing stuff. So the first time, you know, there's a bang or something, three or four people hear it, think, oh, it must be a terrorist attack and start running. And mm. then everything else is a snowball effect. People look mm. at the people who are running and think, oh, well, they're running. They must be running for a reason. So I'll join in. Of course, the whole mm. thing snowballs. That's so that is a sort of anatomy of a type A, um, you know, herd mentality. And, and it is often rational. Right. Yeah. Often, if the people who started it are doing it because there was some reason, then it's right for you to think, well, maybe I should do the same thing as them. But then I think that 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 leads to maybe the first people are right and rational, but with the next lot of people who actually don't know what's going on, that can be actually emotionally driven. So they're seeing someone do something, they they sense what's going on, they sense that fear, and they go with it. And there are other things that I think contribute to it. Um, if you, particularly mm. if you're not looking at just like stampedes, but looking at riots, um, people in a riot often have like a loss of individuality. They lose their principles because of, there's this increase, increased anonymity of being in a group. And I think that's something that happens in a mob, mob mentality. Um, and like you can see it at like sports events. There's that us versus them. There's and that can even like be in uh, when I was doing some research, there was stuff in about prisons and prison riots, and it's that us versus them mentality can come in really strong, supporting mm. that mob mentality. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I think of, there is an emotional right. element to it. Before you come in, Nick, just thinking about that, I mean, immediately that sort of what, what you're talking about there, Sarah, um, we immediately sort of perceive the negative side of that. Right. Yeah. So, for example, a huge group of um, football fans, just quite a square, scary thing. Right. And that loss of individual individuality and, and you know, most people on their own, are pretty nice people, um, whereas a great big mob is not. 
But I guess, you know, um, <clears throat> there are upsides to that as well. That's how you mobilize an army. That's how you fight another country. That's how you do all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I, I, I guess sort of, you know, um, it, we're not always talking. It, we think about it negatively, but I guess there are positives. But that's a bit of a tangent. Sorry, I interrupted you so there, sorry. But I know Peter wants to say something as well, Peter. Yeah, I think the, we, we develop, we, we evolved these heuristics which driven up, drive our behavior for a reason. And they, they, they've worked. They've worked. They got us this far. The problem mm. is when when the heuristic is no longer a valuable uh, or appropriate response yeah. for the circumstance. So when when if you hear a bang and people start running, it mm. probably, it could be a good idea to start running. Mm. Um, the problem is that when that kind of response is hijacked by something else, and the panic buying of toilet roll and and, and flour is an example where uh, a primitive part of your brain takes over your decision making, and you just go along with what everybody else is doing without considering rationally and using your higher functions and realizing actually there's space and capacity in the in the um in the uh supply chain and perhaps actually you know we should just buy what we need uh so that everyone can get some yeah i think there's, um, there's two different types of uh, motivations for following the crowds and i and i think you know sarah's talking about um joining a joining a crowd as an end in itself <clears throat> because you want to be part of a mob and and you know that that actually and that that obviously comes from very sort of you know early evolutionary environment type things for humans where you know actually it's no matter how nasty the people you're with are it's still better to be with a bunch of other people uh you know when you're facing lions and uh, hordes of chimpanzees than it is to be on your own so you know that sort of desire and the kind of things that people do as a mob um you know as an end in itself because we want to be in a mob because it's good to be in a mob um oh. versus joining a mob because you're using the mob's behavior as evidence that something is a good idea so yeah. you know and, and i think that's that's quite a distinct sort of motivation so you're, you're looking you you know it's like okay everyone's buying toilet rolls i don't want to join the toilet roll gang I'm not buying toilet rolls so that I can be in the toilet roll club and get all the benefits that that brings. I'm buying toilet rolls because everyone else is doing it. And so I sort of think, well, I better but do they're, that. They're, they're kind of driven by the same requirement for survival, though. One is one is to do with the actual, I need toilet roll to survive. But the mm. other is I, I need to be part of a group to survive. It's all part, they're all, it's all rooted in the same thing. They are, they are kind of, they're conceptually distinct, but they're, they're the same driver. Mm. Sarah? I was just going to say that's kind of the way I looked at this is that there is a there's that group the group mentality but then there's also that individual aspect of someone who you know wants to be a part of something who doesn't want to be seen missing out um, wants to do you know what's cool and trendy and fashionable and maybe that's buying toilet roll when in a pandemic and that's why you want to be a part of it it's not there's like the way I viewed the way I viewed it was mm. two elements now, I'm not saying people who buy toilet rolls are Nazis, but uh, <laughs> I think there is, you know, the dark side of this is the dark side of, of sort of, you know, herd mentality of, of using yeah. other people's decisions as a heuristic um, is, you know, that. So the, I think the, the famous experiments that have been done in, you know, social psychology, the, the Milgram um, experiment where, you know, someone, people could be convinced to to torture someone just because they were being given orders by someone who looked you know uh, plausible and um the, but the other famous one i think is is uh, the ash conformity experiments which yeah. i think were in the 1970s and uh the, the, you know 
the so the gist, the gist of the experiment was people were put into a group of what they thought were other participants, but were actually all um, you know working for the experimenter, and they were asked to judge which of three lines was the was the shortest uh, out of the three lines they were given, and the answer is blatantly clear. I mean, it's it's not like there was any kind of visual acuity test here. It's like clearly one of the lines was shorter. Um, but if if everyone else um, said that it was it was you know a different line that was shorter. Um, then I think something something like uh, a third of people went along with the crowd instead of going for what they knew what they must have known was the right answer, and and you know group so groupthink obviously has has been something that is is can be really catastrophic for organisations if 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 the people leading that groupthink the people who are the, who are you like if you like at the kind of nucleation phase if those people are not making the right decision. Um, now, as you say, Fraser, you know, if, if the, those people are making the right decisions, if they're doing it for a good reason, if they're joining a war which is just, then great. But the, the point is that, you know, that herd mentality doesn't differentiate between good herds and bad herds necessarily. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you've got sort of there's arguments sort of so examples which have been cited throughout history are things like the the Bay of Pigs invasion, you know, which sort of was a terrible idea, which somehow got uh, a momentum of its own. Um, the surrender of France, you know, which was a, a, a sort of um, snowball effect, you know, where some some French units surrendered and everyone else thought it was a general um, retreat and uh, everyone joined in. Um, the invasion of Iraq, you know, I know we did a podcast about um, the um, uh, the Chilcot report, uh, you know, which came out a couple of years ago. And, and, you know, the gist of that was, well, actually, there wasn't really any decision making going on, you know, but, but largely people were just going along with it. So um, thinking this through, um, we, we've, we've, you know, this podcast about analysis and decision making, we've analysed what's going on there with with <clears throat> with mob mentality. What about the decision-making aspect of it? Because you're starting to get onto it there a little bit, Nick. Well, how, I, think, how, I think we haven't covered... There's, there's more analysis to be I done, isn't there? I think there's something... The, the much more interesting question, yeah. which is the, if you like, the kind of collective psyche, the thing that I was... The bread effect that I was talking about. Right. Um, where everyone independently decides to do the same thing, right? And I, and I, th I, I think there's something that is some potentially pointing to an aspect of decision making which is very poorly understood um mm. which is the you know the extent to which we share uh or at least have in our brains a set of concepts which are quite fundamental and which drive a lot of our decision making but which we're not really aware of and so i mean th so for example is it the case that the reason people have fled to baking um because bread symbolizes lots of things that are kind of comforting uh and uh, as a result of the crisis we have all independently alighted on the same underlying symbol um which is bread and you know we think crisis equals bread uh and i and i think i think there is that is a, a so it's, it's obviously something that I mean, it's a bit discredited this idea to be honest because um it, it was sort of co-opted by um so, or at least developed by uh, analytical uh, psychotherapists, you know, Carl Jung and and, and uh, Freud, um, th this idea of sort of underlying symbols. But I, th I think there's a lot there's a lot to be said for it, and uh, there is some evidence that um, 
you know, pe people quite abstract connections that people make between uh, between symbols and what their meanings might be um, are really persistent across people. Hmm. Uh, you know, so you sort of a diagram of, um, you know, a diagram of a diamond, for example, is it will be something that people feel is connected to the idea of, of oneself in a way that is very surprising and yet nevertheless true. So, so I think I, I just wanted to point out that, you know, this isn't th this other type of herd mentality, everyone deciding to bake bread is not necessarily an example of people copying other people. It, it's, mm. It could be an example of, you know, some underlying, um, some underlying sort of concepts and mappings and associations that we have mm -hmm. uh, and which we all have for some reason whether we've evolved them in some way or whether we we whether we pass them to each other in a in a way that we don't notice um but that you know i think i think it's interesting it's an interesting yeah. line of inquiry peter you look like you want to say something yeah I, I i i agree it's an interesting phenomenon i just wondered to what degree it's driven by fairly fairly similar drivers as the survival instinct um you you have a strong association with bread if you grew up in a sort of a, a western european society or many parts of the world bread is like a staple so it's some, it does sort of symbolize on one level food um and uh maybe you think oh well maybe you're maybe this sort of this sort of sense of background panic or anxiety triggers a thought in you well actually maybe i should get around to learning how to make my own bread in case the bread runs out um so it's, it's I, I, for me, it feels very similar to the the desire to follow the herd and run out and buy toilet paper. It's just that it's come to your conscious by a slightly different route. Mm. Um, I still want to I still want to ask that question about you know how to improve decision making. Um, but before I do, is there anything you want to say, Sarah? I guess on this point, the only other thing that I would would be of interest to know is how much subliminal messaging that comes through because obviously we have social media and we have advertising that's coming on strong right now and it just mm. in the example of bread how much of how much are we seeing is actually in the back of our mind being like oh maybe we should make bread like how is it is it that survival instinct is it the aspects that nick was talking about or is it a combination of a lot of things because for me i know that all my feeds are filled with people baking bread but i have yet to have the desire to make bread i've only made chocolate chip cookies Mm. So I think there's these these other things still coming baking. through that could it's be. It's just a <laughs> it is still baking, and I'm making oat and raisin tomorrow. So, you know, I'm still baking, um, just not bread. But I think, yeah, maybe there there. Yeah. I think it's a, a lot of elements that contribute to it. But I also, think, but your question phrase are about decision making. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's that. What certainly what it highlights for me is how little insight we have into what is really driving our decisions. Um, because I'm sure Sarah's right. I mean, that, that you, those those sorts of, you know, things that you see, every time you see see someone you like on social media doing something, whether you like it or not, that is going to cement some kind of association yeah. between that activity and a positive feeling in some way. Um, mm. There's no doubt about it. And, and yet we're not aware. If someone asked me why I was baking bread, it, I would have rationalised it and said, well, look, I mean, it's, you know, We've got a bit more time on my hands and we can't go out very often so we can't be getting fresh bread every day so it makes sense to, to bake bread right why not like it's a it would be my rationalization I think... um, but but it you know the phenomenon of everyone deciding to create their own sourdough starter cannot 
be solely explained by you know individual decisions mm-hmm. along those lines i think but i think maybe it's because you live in north london if you if, if you lived in toxteth uh, you'd be fine but um or maybe that's a slight on the residents well, the good maybe, people of yeah I mean, but there's an there was an XKCD cartoon about everyone m- making sourdough starters, suggesting mm. that um, that actually it, uh, yeast is symbiotic with COVID nineteen. I mean that 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 only works if you realise that everyone in the world has all has all decided independently to get their sourdough starters going. Yeah, I I I, I question how independent it is. Even if you're just smelling the. The smell of air, bread on the air is going to make you think about bread and think about. You think, you think there's a, there's a there's just so much baking going on that that there's <laughs> just, just particles yeah, of bread. Well, North, it's North London. You can't move for the smell of freshly baked bread because yeah. everyone's at it. I just yeah. don't think it's that. I, don't, I I I question how strong this sort of this drive that you're postulating about the, a link of symbology to do with survival and um uh, uh and higher level concepts like bed, bread baking. Is actually a driver, and if it's just you've yeah, maybe you, it's you, a good idea. you read an article about people baking bread, which made you think about baking yeah, bread. And maybe it is just a good idea. Maybe maybe my rationalisation is right, and and that actually it does make sense to make bread if you can't go to the shops every day. I um, have to but say, I think, that... I, the point is that it's, it's hard. It's the it, I lack insight. I think I have insight into why I do things, but think... it does make you realise that you don't really. And and that is the that is an interesting. Yeah. That is the interesting, really, conclusion of this conversation. Is it would be great to be able to sort of download the logs of your brain and scrutinise why you made certain decisions, mm-hmm. like you can with a computer, but you just can't. It's, it, it's it, 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 you can't see inside yourself. Yeah. Sarah. Oh, I was just going to say, I just realised that I might not have been baking bread, um, but on the weekends I have been biking off to a bakery to buy sourdough, uh, which is not something I did before. And I, I don't know why. It's not something. Save your money and make your own sourdough. Oh, that seems mm. like a lot That's of effort, though. Um, have you got a set of scales? No, no, I do not. Well, I don't know. It's harder then, but uh, yeah. yeah, I've been. <laughs> I've been, I've been, I've been yeah, I've been. I've been making. It's it's fun actually. Yeah, I mean, we've been taking it out into the garden to absorb the local yeasts and things. Look, throw Felicity Kendall into the bargain with this, then I'm in. But without that, no. I'm not interested in this good life. Um, I think we've covered it. Uh, we're going to stop there. Uh, thank you for listening. We've been here with Peter Coghill, Nick Hare and Sarah Nano of Aleph Insights. And until next time, goodbye. Mm-hmm.